0: In this week's show, our guest is Cody Rhodes. He's a military medic that I met at the Buzzsprout's community. Uh, As I've been doing this show for the last five years, I've been struggling to have consistent guests and to uh, really build up this uh, podcast radio show to the point of having a recurring guest and having topics that that we can discuss that that are relevant. Uh, We started joking around and and talking about things that we're interested in and they did a a show about uh, aliens and conspiracies on his program and I want to talk about that but right now we have uh, very crucial stuff coming our way because of the political climate as well as just people not being familiar with terms that people are using and and abusing for the sake of politics. But before we, we delve into the topic, I guess we can have multiple topics if we run out of ideas. It's gonna be a free flow show. Can you tell us about your podcast and what is um, the hope of, of having this this uh, trio of, um, of of hosts and the interaction between you guys that led to having uh, both a, a, a video program as well as a podcast available for your listeners
1: yeah of course um so i'm an army medic and my two other co-hosts they are also army medics and we work together Uh, our podcast is called the underqualified and overcompensated uh because as army medics as just being in the military uh we're we're qualified but we're definitely overpaid to sit and do nothing a lot of the time so that's kind of where it just develops uh it Very beginning of it was me and my buddy Firth, who's also on the podcast with me. We were just kind of hitting the dirt together. We were on a 24-hour duty where we were awake for 24 hours watching ammo behind us, just sitting there all day uh, outside, no shelter, and we were just kind of shooting the shit together. And we just started talking about politics and how people – just kind of there's either one way or the other and we hit all these different topics from transgenderism to lgbtq gun rights uh social political stuff uh activism in ukraine and all sorts of different topics and around two and o'clock in the morning i looked at him i was like we should do a podcast and at that point i had worked with firth for about a year a year and a half or so he was one of my soldiers and then uh, we pulled in our buddy rico who I've been with for the past six years. Uh, We were at Dugway Proving Grounds, Utah, which was a part of the discussion in episode three with aliens because it's all top secret and, uh, you know, super secret squirrely. And we pulled him in. uh, I call it the Triforce of Knowledge. So we pulled it in. I developed the whole podcast, and we just kind of hit the ground running. We tried to do as much as we could um, and record and try to find Topics that we could hit on Uh, our very first episode, we didn't want to be too polarizing, you know, not too hot button. So we decided to hit with uh, gun control, you know, super easygoing first topic (laughs) to to kind of start off with. And then uh, our, our main goal just kind of developed as it was going to be a political podcast, but then we kind of decided that you can't, having that one topic, you run out of a lot of places to run, Right. As soon as 2020 is over and we elect our next president, what the hell are we going to talk about, right? We're going to kind of run out of things to talk about unless it comes up in the news. So we decided to kind of be more of a variety show, kind of like yours, where uh, my our mission statement is answering the questions that no one knew they had. So we wanted, you know, we had an episode on conspiracy theories uh, where it's just mainly us. We're starting to get actual guests on. One of our upcoming episodes is on vampires and vampirism. So it's not really like, you know, Blade and Twilight. Uh, We have a professor uh, from Boston College, and he is going to be our guest. He's going to grace our screens with his knowledge. Uh, He's a professor in anthropology. So he's an actual expert in mythology and lore. And he's just going to kind of start at the beginning of vampirism and go up, and we're very excited about that podcast. And uh, I have other experts coming in about life-changing in personality, uh, addiction, and uh, global warming, all sorts of different kind of stuff. So we're, we're trying to do our best. Uh, hopefully, we can just at least make people think. That's our main point. Uh, I find I, I put a lot of weight on education. I, I love education, and I like trying to be educated. I like knowing a lot about a little uh, or a little about a lot and not a lot about a little, right? So I try to learn as much as I can. And so I want other people to do that as well. I want them to at least watch our episode or listen to it and be like, you know what? I didn't know that. And that's a different viewpoint. uh, Even if they don't agree with us because politically, socially, we're all kind of all across the board. Me, Rico and Firth, we're all from different walks of life and, uh, you know, different political and social standings. And it's exciting. It's something to look forward to in every week. And, you know, if it goes nowhere, cool, we're going to be a podcast that no one knows about and we're going to keep recording because it's just really fun and it's nice to stay connected with each other.
0: Well, I wonder if we can do a, a critical thinking network because um, we were talking about niche uh, programming and how sometimes we we might not get the attention or the audience that we want because we're jumping around with too many topics. But if people were to ask me what is my show about, I would say that it's kind of philosophical uh, we talk about all kinds of different subjects, but we're also, uh, as we delve into the subject, we try to be objective. We try to do some critical thinking and get to the bottom of issues. And that's something that is being lost, like with all the different programs that are available, with all the shows, with all the things that are going on. Um, there, There's a sense of maybe a show like Joe Rogan is more in-depth because he takes three hours to talk about a subject. But what everybody sees on CNN and on MSNBC and Fox News are just little clips and little opinions with um, no no in-depth journalism, uh, something that I would be interested in. And I guess you have to look at documentaries or uh, certain um, groups that do that to really uh, get to the bottom of, of some of these really controversial and difficult issues so i think the listen the reason that people listen to podcasts is either because they're interested in in that specific subject or because they want to delve deeper into it so when you have someone who's like a professor or an expert then you can actually ask the questions that are everybody else's minds but i think that um it is again it's like who out of all the people in the world or, or english speakers how many people really care about the the real history of vampires or the real history of the alien phenomena and stuff like that usually people want to be told things that they already believe and then build they up want
1: that confirmation bias
0: yeah so so when when i started talking to you uh via facebook um i started um wondering can we really have a discussion regarding uh the Lutheran political systems that are being presented because again um it's easy to give up and to even be scared to talk about these subjects because you assume that the other person, either based on their background or what you've heard them say, that they're going to be close to any other idea. Because um, what I see in this country is that people make up their mind before even knowing much about something. And then one of the, it was funny, um, the last show that we did was about the state of Israel and Bernie Sanders. And one of my professors, who is a settler in, uh, in one of the, the settlements in uh, the West Bank, he was telling me that the reason that Israel and, and the Holy Land is the way it is, is because there's a sense of status quo that you don't mess with the Palestinian Christians, you don't mess with the Palestinian Arabs, you don't mess with the Bedouins, and so they don't mess with you. So you have to keep things as they are, even though there might be injustices, there might be issues, people might not be allocating the resources correctly, that it's better to keep the peace and let people govern themselves within a greater system than to actually start forcing everybody to be democratic or be this or that. So when, they, when it seems like the country is being too focused on one group or the resources only go into that, that that's kind of the style that they run things in the Middle East That if you start coming in and bringing in new ideas, everybody doesn't know how to handle them. And it's very hard because they've been there for thousands of years. So in America, you know, this is an experiment that we've been doing for, what, 260 years around there? And, you know, people might say, well, you just got here. I I came uh, 25 years ago from Mexico, but I'm an American. I, I, I am involved and I feel... I was happy to to join this country and then at the same time uh hold the country accountable. So what you hear a lot from people who are conservative or very traditionalist when it comes down to their patriotism is like it or leave it. Uh that there is no room for improvement. And what they were saying is that when Donald Trump was running, he was tapping into that type of mentality where the U.S. is good as it is. It has had ups and downs. It's had improvements, you know, amendments and stuff like that. But overall, the country is good and we want to make it great again. We want to bring it back to its original roots or the status quo that was working for everybody and everybody was happy back then. And then uh, the progressives talk about let's push forward, let's let's keep improving and stuff like that. But what happens is that somewhere in there, we're both fighting for the same thing, but the the approaches become pedantic when people want to force it. So you'll force us back to be in the, the values of the 50s that not everybody uh, wants to, to live by, or force us into this futuristic world where there is no gender and there is no race and there is nothing. Or they are, and they're so divided and so unique that everybody has to accept everybody uh, with their own uh, idiosyncrasies. And it's just so jumbled up, like, it comes to a point where, like, you don't even want to hear anything from anybody because it's so politicized and it's so um, aggressive and and non-helpful that it just becomes a, a battle of ideas but the ideas are not even well-developed and well-expressed. So uh, from your perspective, have you experienced that kind of um, disappointment or is it a, or you feel that there is, a, the system that, that you are part of is pristine and it has no room for improvement? I don't even know where you stand, but- um, No, so, so I,
1: uh, I, I've i never really like been disappointed when it came to that. Um, I have, uh, like I said, I, I love education, so I always kind of look at people and their, their different views as information and education. So I never shy away from a conversation, and it, it actually energizes me to be able to talk to someone, and I strive to find people with different views because even if we hit that wall, that point, uh, like you're speaking, where people just stand fast and they don't want to listen, they don't want to have anything, uh, don't want to change anything, I, I like that point, and uh, one of the, the great things for me is having that discussion, and I'll play devil's advocate, and I'm a, I'm a gentle conversationalist, and I try to use logic more than emotion, so a lot of the people use emotion in their conversation, they're very fervent about how they feel, but they're not using logic, logic and uh, constructive thought, and so when I have these discussions, I try to use logic and just kind of lay it out. Uh, in discussion, and not in a way to change someone's mind, but to just to get them to think, because like you said, uh, we're kind of in the era where critical thinking is not used a lot. Uh, People get that confirmation bias, they listen to who they listen to, they know where to find the information that they want, that is going to reconfirm what they believe, and and it's on both sides. Um, I kind of have the grace of kind of being in the middle ground even with my own political and social beliefs, but just with where I work. So working in the military, and I have many civilian friends who are either on one side or the other. I grew up in Idaho, so very red state. Um, but I have a lot of friends that are more liberal than others. And I, I love talking to them about stuff because I'm kind of in the middle. And in the military, we have so many different, it, it's it's the true melting pot. People say the United States is a melting pot. If the United States is a melting pot, the bottom burner, like the best, juiciest part of that melting pot is the military of any branch. Because we have everyone from every walk of life, every race, creed, religion, everyone's there. And you don't really get the luxury of persecuting someone for their beliefs or who they are um, unless they're, you know, a bad person unless you treat someone with disrespect, you're not going to receive disrespect a lot of the time. Um, So I have countless friends who are hardcore right uh, conservatives and they're very religious and they have their viewpoint on gay rights and gay marriage and stuff like that. But then they're also mentoring lesbian soldiers and mentoring them and helping them get better as soldiers, as people and try to progress in their career They don't let that come in because there's no space for that where we work. So that's an aspect I like about where I work. But also, like you were saying with the status quo, the military is very status quo of where it is. Uh, At the very high level, they always talk about wanting to change. But down at the bottom level, a lot of the leaders are like, well, that's how it's been and that's how it's always going to be. And I've always been the kind of person that's like, well, how can we make it better? Right. Like it's working now. But would it work better if we did it differently? You know, if you if we tried to train people to speak with to each other with respect versus just barking orders, or if we actually listened to our soldiers' complaints, would that improve the workspace? And I think it's kind of the same thing with uh, with our country. I think we, we should always be striving to improve. Uh, there, you're never you're never good, right? Or, or at least you're always good. You're never great. You're always trying to find great and you'll always be trying to reach it because there's always something you could be better at. Uh, Olympic athletes, you know, top athletes in the world, uh, top scholars are always trying to learn, always trying to do better because they understand that concept. I think if we applied that to our sociopolitical realm, um, we could be better. But then you always and that's the main conversation, left and the right in the middle, everyone has their own idea of what great is, Right. So it's it's trying to find that middle ground of understanding, which is difficult. And I think the way to reach that middle ground of understanding conversation is education. People just aren't educated. They hear what they hear and they they don't understand the other side, so they just kill it. They just cut it off because it's uh, misknowledge is kind of fear to some people and it's on both sides.
0: Well, and what's the saddest part of of it is that people are not being um, fair when it comes down to judging someone's opinion or someone's worldview at based on the ideas. Now, is if you hold a particular worldview, you must be an evil person, or you must be a bigot or a close-minded person. And I find that very troubling because you know we talk about freedom of speech, we talk about Uh, this country not persecuting um, dissidents or reporters or people who are asking questions, but you're easily um, destroyed and and your reputation ruined if you are able to fall into a category that is unaccepted. And on the other side, um, there's been this push that everybody should be listened to and everybody should be loved and, and supported unless we disagree with them. And to me, that's, that's um, it's like a progressive fallacy that um, there's only so much liberty in that sense. And on the other side, they say, well, if there's true liberty, I can say all the mean, horrible things that I want and that's my right. So it's, it's a weird balance like How do you, um, push a society to be not only open, but also judicious and value-driven? Because, um, we've talked about conspiracy theories and people who actually push conspiracy theories that are very destructive. And the expert that I had on, he was like, well, um, it's America. You can believe and say what, anything you want. And I'm like, yeah, but if it's instilling hatred, and is bringing about destructive um, elements within our society, shouldn't we fight against it and stop it? And he's like, again, it's freedom of speech. And I'm like, yeah, but there should be limits on the sense of why should we put up with with people who are so destructive that it's not that they just disagree with a certain kind of, of lifestyle or a certain kind of religion or viewpoint that they actually are preaching, like, destruction and annihilation. But, but people are so sensitive and so uh, radicalized nowadays that if you, um, if you even criticize somebody's opinion, they assume that you are the most um, hateful and, and destructive person because of their experience in the past. So I know it happens a lot with people that have negative experiences with religion if they hear someone talk about God or, or religion in general, the, all these fears and all these hurts that, that they've had in the past come, come up and they want to shut it down.
1: And I, I get that one a lot. I, I get that. I get the other side of that a lot as a, I, as a theology student and oh. a future chaplain.
0: Oh, you're uh, supposed to be a I, chaplain too.
1: That's what I'm studying for oh, wow. is I'm studying for my master's in divinity. So I can uh, be an, a chaplain in the military. And so I, I get that a lot. Uh, that other side and it kind of just feeds in the whole premise of uh,
0: we'll we'll get ready to, to be challenged because, uh, uh, you know, I'm a chaplain myself and I, I worked in the VA and I, and I work in um, the medical field, but, um, I had a friend who was a military chaplain mm -hmm. and he was, um, he was old school. Like he, he grew up Baptist and now he was um, traditionalist, uh, Lutheran. And when they came up, to the issue of diversity and sensitivity training, he had a lot of problems with that. Um, And he said, I don't have a problem with individuals or even couples. I just have a problem with um, being taught and being uh, exposed to the type of information where you have to not only accept and tolerate, you have to embrace people you might not agree with, Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so you'd rather keep that in secret? You'd rather have people not even talk about it? Like, it's not even there? And he's like, well, you know, it's like a personal thing. And I'm like, wouldn't you want to know if people uh, hold those views or something? And I'm not going to get into all the details, but I was just messing with him. This idea that... um, I. The sensitivity training and, you know, you mentioned it's kind of almost like a workforce um, uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. If people are able to do the work, why do you care what their you know, personal life is? So that to me, that's a good approach. But if you make it where we have some people from this particular viewpoint and they're going to come and tell you how to embrace it and celebrated, maybe that's going a little too far. So equal access does not mean equal um, sense of, of acceptance and of participation.
1: I, I think that so that kind of breeds into a lot of people's um, distaste of other sides if we you know if we split it into the one side or the other, it kind of feeds into that because people take as uh, disagreement as intolerance. A lot of the time. Um, Like, for just a most polarizing topic is like the LGBTQ rights and stuff like that. Um, A lot of people on the right side, a lot of them are like, I don't marry or who you love. Just don't like press it on me, right? Like, I don't care what you do. Just don't require me to be okay with it, is all they're trying to say because you can have your own. They're not trying to persecute them. They're not trying to say they can't get married or live their life uh, or be whoever they want to be. They just don't want to be forced to condone it or be a part of it. And then people take that as, oh, you don't agree with me, so you must be you know, evil, as you were saying earlier. Uh, you disagree with a certain side. And then some people on that other side, though, can take it a little farther to the right and uh, take it into hatred. And they think that what they're trying to say is, you know, I just don't agree with it, but behind closed doors, they're going further into persecution and condemning. And uh, in, in the religious realm, it's, it's a lot of that uh, misunderstanding. And I guess I'm, I've kind of learned this new term called like uh, a progressive Christian where you're kind of, you know, you're more towards the other side and it's more accepting. Um, But that's always a, it, it kind of goes along with the lines of always trying to learn and always trying to question, uh, as people we're supposed to question, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, so you you should always be questioning it. Even when it comes to something as solid ground as a uh, religion or faith, when it comes to a lot of people, uh, you should look into apologetics and, uh, reconstructionism and, and try to like learn things rather than just be told things. And it, it uh, that, that's kind of the take I try to take with a lot of things, uh, always see the other side and what the other side is trying to say, and then form that into kind of how I am going to continue on.
0: Cause one of the challenges at um, chaplain school is that they have different views on, on revelation. Um, mm-hmm. you know, traditional, um, religious people, they believe that, uh, scripture or religious texts are the revelation of God. And then, um, there's a tradition or rituals that you do or, or your interpretation of that. And then there's your personal experience. But usually your personal experience has to submit to the institutions and the texts because they have greater authority over, um, you know, matters of life. And in the chaplain a program that I was part of, it was, uh, like the opposite. Uh, your personal experience um, informs your view of scripture and the way you interpret tradition and in biblical interpretation or religious interpretation and I, I would always uh, bump heads with uh, with my professors because it was um, again it was the same thing like why would you push your view on me to make me a better chaplain like you're assuming that someone who has a traditional understanding cannot work in a pluralistic environment mm-hmm. and that is assuming that because you have bad experiences with traditionalist uh, religious people who were close-minded and bigoted and unable to to love and respect other people who were different then now we have to turn every chaplain into uh, an interfaith minister who's uh, who follows a new age style, um, spirituality that is based on, um, you know, whatever feeling or, or, um, trend is going on. And I guess that I'm being too critical of them. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to look at my, uh, my previous podcast. Um, we did the one, um, the shack made an atheist out of me.
1: Okay, and uh, I saw the name, and I, I that was interesting, and I it, was gonna come, come back around and try to listen to it because it's, I was like, it's, okay,
0: it's tongue in cheek because um, I just thought that that book on itself is so poorly written and so uh, problematic. They made us read it because it talked a lot about emotions and then about trauma and the way that people deal with not only their personal experience but their religious um, background and how you try to make sense of of your life in the midst of being also taught traditionalist views. So it's, it's like a rebellion against traditionalist views, but then it kind of goes back to it and it kind of throws you off. And it's just, it's a mess. So I, w- I I think that book is dangerous in the sense, you know, from a traditionalist perspective, that um, just like I think the Bible, can be dangerous. That if you have no uh, help, you can go crazy. Like that well, that's book...
1: a lot of the thing with, with the Bible, I guess is, uh, and it comes with anything really. Um, not not just Bible, but something. It, things are open to interpretation, and people kind of take it and run it. And a lot of the time, they'll read something and they'll interpret it in the way that they're kind of leaning towards anyway, the, the way that they want it to go. Um, something that kind of fits their, their script already. And so having someone, uh, something drives me nuts uh, to just continue with the religion thing is when I go to churches and I sit in a service and they just kind of hit the same meat and potatoes that you get in every single service and they don't go into the history of that topic that they're going into, you know, the why this was there, kind of what led up to it. And what was going on at this time and, or take the words and actually translate it over to Greek or Hebrew and be like, well, this is what this word means. And uh, my home pastor does that. He, he kind of deep delves into it and he's, he's teaching you as well as catering to you in an emotional level as well. And I've just had pastors that just like, they read it and they go for the pure emotional point and it's, it's, it's back to the education thing. It, it, education is so big to me. It just drives me crazy that people don't want to learn. And I feel like it's something that is especially as important as someone's spiritual faith, uh, whether you have it or not, it's still a spiritual faith. So whether you're Christian LDS, mon- Muslim, Hindu, or atheist, that's still a spiritual belief and something as important as that to someone's core, you should learn about it. I, I believe. And truly delve into it and always have questions because if you're just regurgitating what people are telling you what what are you really doing uh to kind of better the situation
0: well and, and then my issue with that book is it was i thought that's what you were going to say when you mentioned people just hitting the the, the meat and potatoes is like there's a certain narrative that has to be addressed in every christian movie so unless you do the four spiritual laws or some like version of, of the gospel as evangelicals would call it is not a Christian movie. Um so in the in the shack, um is supposedly is a Christian movie, but I felt that it actually um it 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 tears down Christianity and then it tries to build it back up, but it, you're so shocked on the way that they, they tore it up that it doesn't even fit anymore. And so- and that's, that's the problem, like any, any form of art that is secluded to those specific rules, like you have to hit these four points, or if not, it's not sufficient or, or it's not acceptable. It's, it's limiting. So that's, uh, that's kind of part of the issue with, um, with modern spirituality, that either is too concrete or not concrete enough, or not giving people the opportunity to think. And develop their own answers. It was hitting too many answers, and like you know, case closed. Not close.
1: presenting enough questions, really.
0: It was case closed. Like this is how it is, and it was every topic under the sun. But uh, I feel that the today's show can can be about that because it's all connected. So as you are becoming a, a military chaplain, and me doing chaplaincy about the the veteran affair and other mm-hmm. hospitals, is it goes back to the thing about being able to communicate, and to share in someone's experience. So what I tell people when they say, well, uh, how does this chaplaincy thing work? You have uh, someone who is uh, ordained or endorsed by their denomination or religion, and then they go out and work with people from all different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. How, How does that work? And some people take it to mean that you're all things to all people to the point of actually like there was a guy who's like, I didn't think you're
1: actually performing like uh, Hebrew rituals or you're actually like doing uh, like if you're Christian, you're doing communion, like uh, for Catholic rituals. Like I've I've had that same question where they think that you're, you're putting on multiple hats.
0: Well, um, I'll tell you two different versions of of that. And to me, one makes sense and the other one doesn't make sense. So Mm -hmm. one guy claimed he was a chaplain at a hospice and he claimed that he was able to perform Hindu weddings and Wiccan funerals. And he was a run-through-the-mill Christian. And then one of the doctors that I work with told me that when he was in Vietnam as a medic, there was a Jewish chaplain who had Friday night services for Jews, Saturday services for Protestants, and Sunday services for Catholics. And I'm like, okay, so if you're in... At a wartime scenario, and the only person that's available because one chaplain for 500 soldiers, from what I remember, um, and you have people that need their faith to get them through. Uh, I see that as a as an honor and a in a great thing to say. Hey, let's pick up uh, you know the prayer book from whatever religion, and find things that people find comfort in, and help them through it. And you know some people might have a problem with a Jewish chaplain doing a Catholic service or a Protestant service, but there's a there's a shared uh, heritage that we can all draw from. But to to be a a, a Christian and you know and there's many definitions of what a Christian is, and then venture out and perform a, a ritual. And I had a um in one of our trainings, someone said, well, it's not that you're not qualified to do a Hindu wedding, is that Do you feel comfortable doing a, a can do wedding and I'm like you can feel comfortable doing anything but doesn't mean that you know what you're doing yeah
1: it's almost offensive that you could think that you could try and do it without like the proper education on the on the fact really
0: the thing is some of my most meaningful visits have been with people from other faiths Mm -hmm. when you find a common ground like uh if if you're going out of your way like there was a guy with a guitar that he would play Jewish songs and Christian songs and higher Christian songs. And to me, that was like a joke because it was, um, it went back to like, if your view of religion is of something sacred and then someone comes from the outside and they stumble through it, it's not sacred anymore. Now it's just the religion of the day. But if they truly honor that you have a different perspective, but in the human sense, they connect with you. If they come in and they hear you and they listen to your concerns and they help you uh, make sense of something, to me that is more beautiful and more meaningful than someone coming and saying the right rituals because they know you're this or because you know you're that. And I think that that's the element of, again, we go back to different philosophies. So in postmodernism, all views are the same. And in whatever other philosophical perspective you can have the different views have different um, importance based on your own perspective like you can say I believe my religion is true without destroying everybody else around you because it goes back to um, you have a sense of of confirmation within yourself but people are not going to feel threatened if you're not a jerk about it if you, if you have strong convictions and your convictions lead you to be a chaplain, to provide su- love and support for people who are suffering, no one's going to say, you just stop believing what you believe and you need to just go with the wind. And that's what people don't understand. Like there are people who become interfaith ministers and they study all world religions. But just like, you know, in medicine and I know in, um, uh, communication or, or, uh, social service or whatever. If you try to do a million things, you won't do any of them right. So a friend of mine said, well, there's this program where I can become an ambassador for all faiths. And I want to know about Islam, and I want to know about Judaism, and I want to know about Christianity. And I'm like, that's fantastic. But I would tell you to stick to the one that you feel uh, connected to. Because each religion is so vast that you can drown in your own uh, knowledge of it. But if you start venturing out, it's like, I want to know Hinduism really well. And I want to know uh, Islam really well. You want to know everything. Well. You might not know any of them well. And you know just bits and pieces. And you're always going to be humbled when you run into a family who has been part of that religion for a long time. Or they have a deep understanding of it. If you don't realize that, again, the rituals, the traditions are are holy and special. And when an outsider comes, they have to come, again, in humility and We become uh, we become humbled in our own faith, in our own tradition, to the point of sometimes we don't even uh, we realize we don't we don't know as much as we think we know, and there's so much to learn. So um, I think like I wish we could start like a association of of traditionalist chaplains or chaplains who see the world from, from that perspective as compared to using all these psychoanalysis and uh, postmodern ideas, where then it becomes kind of meaningless. Because that's what I felt was being fed to me. Is kind of like, you think you have all the answers. You're wrong. We have all the answers. And the answer is to become new age. And I'm like, come on, man. So then why even like allow for someone to go through their own tradition, to get uh, endorsed, and then have good standing if all that stuff is meaningless. What I need to do is put all my views uh, in the front door and come in as an open spirit that can be swayed whatever way for the sake of helping someone. it's like, I wouldn't be able to do this kind of work if I didn't have a foundation and a strong sense of, of what I believe that would carry me through in the midst of all those very difficult experiences. What do you I mean?
1: Think? My, my goal as as a chaplain is to, um, and it's the same reason as to why I became a medic, it's, it's to help people. And uh, I, I, I love my faith, and I, I've been a worship pastor for the past, what, 12 years um, in various different churches, and a youth pastor at my last duty station before Germany. Um, and so I, I love delving into it and that's what kind of pushed me into doing it uh to further my career and my goal as a chaplain is to not be a master of all things it's it's to kind of be a jack of all trades when it comes to different religions because i'm i would never perform a, a hindu wedding or you know try to do a jewish or even really kind of a catholic service because i'm i'm assemblies of god you know the uh, uh, protestant christian so that that i wouldn't even feel comfortable doing it and like i said i feel like it's almost offensive for me to think that i could um but i would definitely want anyone to feel comfortable coming to me because that's my job um with some units you could end up having 1200 soldiers underneath you um but most posts have enough chaplains to where they're all different so At my last post over in Germany, they had, I was a part of the Protestant service, leaving worship there, and then right after us was Catholic service, and that was an entirely different chaplain altogether. And uh, for a while, it was actually a civilian German uh, Catholic priest from off post. He would come on and teach it because they didn't have any military Catholic priests. And uh, then they have uh, Muslim services over at another place on post by a Muslim chaplain. So they always try to provide that, but sometimes when you're in a deployed setting, you're the only person. And so if someone comes to me with uh, spiritual, you know, problems or questions, and they may be Hindu or even Wiccan, then I have to either a, just try to find that common ground, which I would want to try to do anyway. Um, but try to ultimately outsource it to they so they can get the best help that they can. Um, and, and I find that it's it's always important to try to find common ground and to let people know initially right off the bat that you are understanding that you're just there to help. That's our, that's what our job is. And regardless of what your faith and may contradict or be a completely other thing than mine, it's still your faith. And just as if I wouldn't want you to come at me and tell me that my faith isn't correct, uh, I'm not going to do the same to you. I'm just going to try to help you do what you need to do so you can carry on. And uh, I, I think just, Trying to have that sense of understanding is the important part of wanting to be a chaplain versus a pastor or a minister, because you have your people around you as a pastor, and they're they're coming to you because of that faith. Um, As a chaplain, someone's coming to you because they just need guidance. And some people, like uh, many of my friends that I worked with, they were atheists or agnostics. And they would come and talk to me, and they knew that they could come talk to me, and I would not bring up my faith whatsoever. Uh, I would just talk to them. And sometimes I would bring my faith into it, but real sneaky-like. You know, if, if you just take out the main key words, a lot of the parables are just philosophies. They're they're parables. That's what they are. They're stories. And a lot of, you know, psalms, if you take the main key religious words out, they're just uh, goals and models to live by, so if you have someone like that, you can still pastor them and preach to them, but in a way that they understand and I think it 's opening doors is the important part
0: so, know, opening
1: door and opening thought
0: so one of the concerns of having a very liberal president or socialist or whatever they end up being is that um, it 's going to become a culture of again you know free for all so people who don't um, hold true to their philosophy or their view uh, are are going to be subjected to participate in it. And you know, both of us work for the government. I work for the government on their Medicare, and you work for the government on the military. So if the government passes a law that there's certain things you have to do as as a member of pluralistic society. Uh, you're bound to that, and your job is at stake. It would be different if you, if you were just an Assemblies of God pastor at a church. You're under the bylaws of your church only. But if you are um, a chaplain, now you're under the laws of the people who are paying your bills. So, so
1: for for military chaplains, actually, we do follow under just our uh, endorsement. So um, for for pure military chaplains, not a. Uh, contracted military chaplains like yourself working with the va um i fall under assemblies of god so let's say myself i don't really have a problem with uh lgbtq people my church and my endorsement may so if someone comes to me with that inclination and they want uh help and it's against my endorsement i have a hundred percent that right to be like hey I can't help you but I will push you towards this person that can't help you. And even though in the army it's a completely 100% tolerance rule, right? There is no discrimination except for that one thing and it's not really discrimination, it's it's a it's full encompassment of understanding because they understand that just like the you know you can't condemn and Discriminate against that person, they can't expect you to break what makes you, what your job is because of that open acceptance. So,
0: so so check this out. Um, During the Nazi Nazi regime, there was Protestant and Catholic chaplains in the field with those bastards. And they were performing mass and Protestant services and blessing them while they were like torturing and, Uh, genocidally killing tons of people and um, I think there's one book about that and I was trying to to go to a presentation about it but it's unbelievable that there was uh, this type of mentality that everybody was going along whatever the government was deciding and no there's only like I always talk about how there was one guy and maybe another 10 people who backed them up who stood against uh, the other Protestant churches and the other Catholics uh, because they were so enmeshed with, with the government um, rationale for their hatred and their destruction. So um, at that point, you would think that people would be like, well, you know, I don't really want to go into that town and pillage uh, the place and then keep going and, and you know praying and, and doing services. So um, I think that, There is um, a healthy skepticism and a healthy division that has to be between your convictions, your religious uh, tradition, and whatever the government or the military uh, is trying to do. Because how how are we ever going to keep our humanity intact? And the reason that I brought up that is because one of the fears, like I was saying with a with a super progressive, uh, government is that, um, there's going to be, um, a shaming of people that don't want to participate in certain things in, uh, in, a dismissal of people who are not gonna embrace that type of mentality. And then mm-hmm. it can go the other way where you, if you have a very right wing, um, system that, the people who are discriminatory and are hateful are, are given a priority over the people who are more embracing, and then people don't feel comfortable joining the military or participating in government functions because they, they feel that there's a culture. So maybe there is not like a law or a rule that discriminates them, but there is a culture of dismissiveness. No, it's it's
1: definitely that, and a lot of people feel that way with, uh, you know, just being female in the military, and um, at least just with the military itself, and I'm uh, kind of, uh, you can relate this to just politics overall, people have what they think that side is, right, so um, if someone who had never really been around military, they've only been around a few people, they all think that we're hardened badasses, ready to go fight wars, and, you know, we're Experts and that's what we are. We're, we're soldiers. You know how many goofy people and how many ridiculous unqualified guys I know in the military. A lot, a lot of them can't shoot a rifle to save their life. And I hope to God they don't actually deploy because it's gonna be rough. And they're a gunner, so good luck, right? And I, I, I know medics. they can't do their job, and so we're not all experts. And a lot of people just think they're like good old country boys which I would like to think of myself as, but many of my friends aren't. And sometimes people are afraid of that persecution. And I think um, as much as people worried about that joining the military or any other group, right. Um, going into law enforcement or firefighting or anything like that as a first responder, people generally think of it as like a boys club. So females generally don't want to go into it or uh, transgender people, because it's that boys club mentality and, they don't want to kind of step into that realm where it's going to be harder for them. But I think it's important to have that open, the open understanding. Uh, like you were saying, and I, the, the key word that I got from what you said just a few minutes ago was compassion. Um, it's, I think that's the main thing. People overlook it. And it, we're in a culture of a lack of compassion and understanding. If people had more compassion for each other and more of ability of being uh, of empathy, putting themselves in those other people's shoes and understanding, uh, we'd be in a much better place. Just as a society, if people would be like, you know, that I'm yelling at that person because they're infringing on me, but if they just took a step back, they would realize that in their act of yelling at that person for infringing upon them, they're doing the same thing. And I, I think there's a lack of like being able to visibly see our hypocrisy and our double standards that we're creating for ourselves and others and a extreme lack of compassion.
0: Well, and, and we, we deviated from the subject that we wanted to discuss on the show, but I think it's important for both of us as people who, who work serving others to, to have that communication about what, what are the things that we all agree on? Like you said, compassion, humanity, values. That that's like for me, um, the reason that I make a big deal about being an American and not just a Mexican who moved here, is that there's certain values, there's certain uh, laws and and systems in this country that that work and are meant to to keep us um, engaged in the process of of civility and, and, you know, even righteousness to a certain point. Like, um, one of, one of my pet peeves with progressives is they paint the, the situation as so, uh, me, uh, not so bleak that, um, you know, we have, um, spread ourselves too thin around the world. We've started seven or eight wars. We, uh, we've gotten involved in all types of Uh, shady deals with dictators and, and and double dictators and stuff like that. And they portray the, this country as, as this very destructive empire. And then on the other side, you have people who paint America as this beneficent, um, beautiful um, democratic uh, project that is spreading, um, you know, goodwill and, and righteousness around the world. And to me, it's, it's like like anything that I've ever encountered, it can be corrupted. So the only way that you can keep a country healthy for it not to become um, destructive or if you want to live in a lot of land where you assume that your views are better than everybody else's, because that's another thing that they throw at America. It's like, who are we to push democracy in the Middle East? Who are we to talk about? Um, it's funny they say who are we to push democracy, but they never say who are we to push uh, equality, and who are we to push um, you know self um, you know valuing people from the other gender and uh, financial freedom and stuff like that. They never question that. They question democracy, but you can't have those without democracy. Mm-hmm. So, and that would be the difference between. A democratic socialist and a regular socialist or an authoritarian socialist. That there are many countries in the world that are democratic, and they use the means of production as a socialist thing, where they have they work with the companies or whatever the, the capitalist. Uh, the opposite of capitalism is. But um, this idea that for all those values to thrive, you need a, a a government that allows for those things and that it supports those things you know, when, when they were passing the Civil Rights Act, without the government that had both the military and the, the federal uh, like forces at their disposal, they cannot um, ensure the safety of the African Americans going into the unsegregated schools and for people to fully integrate. Mm-hmm. If it would have been just like, go ahead and integrate, without that, it would have never happened. So the rule of law, the democratic aspect that people actually voted for that or that the president pushed it and he didn't have any pushback, like all the things that have made America great is the ability for these values to thrive and to affect all of us. The reason that Mexico, that is a a democratic country and has been around longer than the US, uh, 250 years longer, the reason that it's in chaos is because those values have never been able to fully be integrated into society because the society, even though they broke away from the Spanish kingdom, they brought in all the racism, all the sexism and all the very destructive forces that were uh, alive during the Spanish caste system. And they've never dealt with their hatred of indigenous people. They've never dealt with their um, dismissal of pastizos who are, From both races. They never dealt with uh, inequality at all. So it's it's been brooding for these years and has become more and more corrupt and more destructive. So I love America because we have the ability to challenge each other. We have the ability to go on one side and see if it works and then jump on the other side and try it that way and have that ongoing discussion and conversation within ourselves that keep pushing and pulling and making the society better as it goes and i hope that we can share that with other parts of the world and that people can look deeper than just our movies and just our tv shows and our music and stuff like that and actually embrace the the ideals that have been refined throughout the years in this country uh as you have traveled in different parts of the world do you feel that there's still the sense of America leading uh, in the world in just its its values and its morality, or you think that stuff is kind of disappearing and the other countries are becoming more and more resentful and they don't even care what America does and thinks anymore?
1: No, surprisingly, a lot of them uh, they, they, a lot of them do care um, because with a lot of the countries, uh, as I speak with other people from other countries and I've been to. <laughs> 10, almost I think um, everyone kind of has their own opinion and just as varied as it is the United States but they they do watch what we do over here a lot uh, they pay attention to conflicts that are going on current wars because their soldiers are over there um, we have soldiers from Moldovia in Afghanistan we have soldiers from Germany and Finland and uh England over there with us. Uh, South Korea has soldiers in Afghanistan with us uh, along with Australians and everyone else. So that's huge coalition. Everyone's kind of there. So people do watch the United States quite a bit and they form these opinions. Um, I was over in Germany right after uh, president Trump got elected. And that was an interesting time for the first year or so uh, because that was all people brought up every time I was out uh, at a bar with my buddies Uh, If we weren't immediately off a post, which is usually where all the Americans would go. So if we're out somewhere else, someone would ask us, um, you know, what we thought, how we felt. And then they always had an opinion to go along with it. Um, A lot of our English friends, they had a very fervent opinion about our president. But I feel it's the morality and a lot of it has expanded out past us uh, to a lot of people. And a lot of the countries don't mind Uh, what we're doing and it kind of just depends on what you're talking about like in Germany if you're talking to a progressive kind of more liberal in Germany a lot of the time they won't necessarily like what our current uh, White House is doing and then if you talk to a more conservative German or conservative uh, English person they're going to kind of more like it kind of like people who were all for Brexit And if they're still for Brexit, they kind of still more agree with what the United States is currently doing, what they stand for. Um, On the other side, they wouldn't kind of agree with it. Uh, When I was in South Korea, they are more impacted by our pop culture and economy more than our political stances, other than anything that deals with North Korea. If it doesn't deal with North Korea, it didn't really kind of affect them a lot. You didn't really see a lot of the news or anything like that going on. Uh, anytime I was off post in Germany, I would look up at a TV screen in a train station or in a local shop and something would be up about the United States. Um, something President Trump said or something going on along the lines of information going through our political